1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: As the summer of 1888 gradually turned to autumn, the growing fear of Jack the Ripper began to reach its peak. Referred to as London's autumn of terror, the people of Whitechapel were, in particular, always on the lookout, wary that the Ripper might be lurking around every corner. Unfortunately, fear alone couldn't alter reality, and women of the era were still left with few opportunities and fewer funds if on their own. This included Elizabeth Gustav's daughter, also known as Long Liz, a Swedish immigrant who had worked as a domestic servant and sex worker for years before moving to England in 1866, where she would eventually meet a man named John Stride and marry him. As it goes though, the Strides were not in for a long or fruitful marriage. They eventually separated, and Elizabeth Stride found herself on the streets of Whitechapel. Fortunately, she was familiar with how to work the streets, and she once again turned to sex work to get by. During this time, she was known to tell passerby the story of how her husband and children died in the infamous Thames River steamship accident of 1878, although this was a lie, and she had only ever had one stillborn child before her marriage, and John Stride died of tuberculosis in 1884. Sex work allowed Stride to make do, though, and she spent much of her time in various men's apartments or in lodging houses, including one at 32 Flower and Dean Street, a rather unhygienic place, despite the name. This would also be Stride's final residence. She left the lodging house at 7.30 p.m. on September 30th, 1888, dressed up for an evening out, likely hoping to earn a few pounds. Later that evening, she was spotted by a man named Jay Best, She was talking with a short man, described as having a dark mustache, wearing a billycock hat, morning suit, and coat. He was hugging and kissing her, best described, and as he seemed a respectably dressed man, we were rather astonished at the way he was going on at that woman. Best heckled Stride and the man, calling out, watch out, that's Leather Apron getting round you. It was an eerie warning in hindsight, given Stride's ultimate fate. Leather Apron, referred to a suspect in the Whitechapel murders one that had even been referenced in a letter penned by Jack the Ripper. Stride and the gentleman were seen shortly after by Mr. William Marshall, and later still by Police Constable William Smith, who noticed nothing out of the ordinary other than a roughly 18-inch long parcel wrapped in newspaper that the man had been carrying. Elizabeth Stride was last seen by Israel Schwartz just after midnight when a man stopped to speak to her, then pulled her into the street and threw her onto the sidewalk. There was a second man nearby, lighting a cigarette. Fearing trouble, Schwartz ran away. Elizabeth Stride was never seen alive again. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. And I'm All That's
0: Interesting staff writer Kalina Fraga.
2: And today we are diving into part three of our series on Jack the Ripper, the murder of Elizabeth Stride.
0: Hmm, things are starting to get interesting now.
2: Yeah, Uh, compared to a lot of the other victims, there's like... A decent amount of information about Elizabeth Stride.
0: Hmm, that's kind of nice. Yeah.
2: She was born Elizabeth Gustaf's daughter on November 27, 1843, in Torslanda, Sweden, in the rural village of Stora Tumlahed. She was the second of four children born to a farmer named Gustaf Eriksson and his wife, Beda Karl's daughter. Elizabeth and her siblings were raised Lutheran and each spent their childhoods working on the farm. I always love just as a side note, Swedish naming convention. Yeah, I
0: was thinking that too. Or like
2: Viking style, like
0: daughter your last name son. is
2: yeah, your dad's name plus daughter or son.
0: Hmm. Yeah, must get pretty confusing pretty quickly though.
2: Yeah, yeah. Especially like how many Ericsons are there, right? And you wouldn't have the same surname as your husband or wife, or like. It's, yeah,
0: you would think that you would. It'd be difficult. Like if you met another Erickson, you wouldn't necessarily know if it's part of your family, right? Right. right.
2: All you know is that you both have a dad named Eric.
0: Yeah. Although, I wonder, I know, like Irish families, like will repeat the same like couple of names over and over again. So maybe you have like a sense based on if it's an Eric or a Carl or something.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you meet another Erickson and you don't have the same dad, you know you're not well, siblings. <laughs>
0: it's like a good first step. Yeah. Uh, in
2: 1860, when Elizabeth was. Fifteen, she left the farm and relocated to the city of Gothenburg, uh, looking for work. Where she quickly found work as a domestic worker in the Gothenburg parish of Carl Johan. She was employed there for about four years until February 1864. She then got another job as a domestic servant elsewhere in Gothenburg for roughly two more years, and then located to London. Kind of unknown why she chose to leave Gothenburg, but in February hmm. 1866. She moved to England. She apparently gave acquaintances several different reasons, telling one that she'd be entering the domestic service of a gentleman in Hyde Park, telling others that she had family in London, but nobody knows the official reason. Hmm. Bit sketch. A little bit. A little bit strange. But I maybe, you know, you don't need an excuse to move to London. You can just go.
0: Yeah. Maybe she didn't care that anyone knew the truth and just wanted to go and live right. in a big city
2: didn't want to have to explain herself. Yeah. So, yeah. Could be sketchy or it could just be nothing. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing, the possible reason, not reason for her relocation, but something that helped fund it was that she received an inheritance after her mom died in August of 1864. So she had a decent amount of money. Hmm. Probably not an amazing amount of money, but a decent inheritance from her mom that helped her get to London, which, again, maybe she just wanted to go to London. Yeah. Hmm. Either way, when she arrived in London. She met a man named John Thomas Stride. The two of them got married March 7th, 1869, and they never had any children together, which is a little bit out of the ordinary for these Ripper victims. I feel yeah. like at least the last two were both mothers, yeah. bad mothers. <laughs> but- <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> they had some problems, yeah.
2: For a time, the Strides lived together in East India Dock Road and operated a coffee shop in Poplar. John Stride also continued to work as a carpenter, supplementing their income further. Unfortunately, this is pretty common to these stories as well. Their marriage didn't last. By 1874, they were basically on the outs. And in 1875, Jonathan Stride sold the coffee shop, but they were still living together. Hmm. Two years after that, in March 1877, Elizabeth Stride began at the Poplar Workhouse, indicating the couple had likely separated by then. Though uh, census records show that by 1881 they were living together again in the District of Bow, and then permanently separated later that year. So, mm,
0: a stormy relationship.
2: Yeah, a little bit tumultuous, back and forth. It, there's no like uh, with. Uh, oh my God, the first one, um, Marianne Nichols. Marianne Nichols, thank you. They at least the record shows that her and her husband basically had a falling out because of her alcoholism,
0: right? Yeah, I think the last one, too, there was, like, evidence of... Yeah. There were the court documents or something. But it sounds like she and her husband didn't divorce, they just separated. Yeah. So maybe there's weren't right. as many.
2: Right, yeah. It's a little bit more of a tragic... Well, I don't know. I mean, it's different. There's no uh, external factor, it seems. Like, it just didn't work out for them. And unfortunately, put Elizabeth Stride in a position of vulnerability mm-hmm. as a result. So yeah, by December of 1881... She had been admitted to a Whitechapel workhouse infirmary because she was suffering from bronchitis. Then she was discharged on January 4th, 1882, and then she took up residence in a house on Flower and Dean Street, a lodging house. Her, I guess, husband still, ex-husband, John, Mm -hmm. died of tuberculosis on October 24th, 1884. And this is where, this is where Elizabeth's, story starts to get a little murky Hmm. in terms of, like, her character, because around the time John Stride died, Elizabeth started telling people that her husband and children died in 1878 when a ship known as the Princess Alice sank into the River Thames. She also said that she had managed to escape, but that another survivor kicked her in the mouth during the escape attempt, and that gave her a permanent stutter.
0: Huh. Weird.
2: Right. Uh, Especially again, they didn't have any children together, which I guess is convenient for the sake of this story. Yeah. But just lying to people. I don't know what, you know, I'm not going to sit here and psychoanalyze a woman who's been dead for almost 200 years, but it seems like a little bit of a pity party kind of situation.
0: Yeah. Maybe she tried to justify like why she was, you know, like in a workhouse and stuff. It's like, well, it's like she hadn't deserved it maybe, but, you know, circumstance. Right.
2: Right. Yeah. Very strange story. But people lie sometimes. That's just yeah. life. From then on, uh, she would either live in lodging houses or occasionally with a dock worker named Michael Kidney in Devonshire Street. Again, they had a very rocky relationship. And like her and John Stride, they separated and reunited on and off for months, years, hmm. uh, basically until she died. In 1887, in April of 1887, she filed a formal assault charge against him. And hmm. then that was discharged because she never followed up in court. Oh. So, again, I hard to tell if that was even true because she has not been afraid of lying in the past. Right. And the lack of follow through. But also, it's totally possible that he did assault her because that also unfortunately happens a lot. Yeah,
0: it's impossible to say from, yeah, from our perspective. Yeah, impossible to
2: say. During all of that. Elizabeth Stride was working as a prostitute. And though she was described by an acquaintance as being relatively calm, she had also been arrested roughly eight times for drunken disorderly conduct. So uh, and at her court hearing, she would sometimes use the name Annie Fitzgerald.
0: Huh. So interestingly, she's fallen into the same lifestyle as the past two victims and she's older. Yeah. She's was married no longer married working as a sex worker and has a problem with alcohol
2: kind of the uh, perfect Ripper victim-hmm the setups there pretty much she was still living on and off with Michael Kidney up until four days before her death
0: Wow hoof
2: yeah so a little bit of backstory there a little bit of history again like you said very similar stuff to what we're seeing with everyone else mm-hmm. that we've talked about so far in this series. Older prostitute, problem with drinking, women in very desperate situations and very vulnerable positions. Yeah,
0: living in lodging houses where they have to earn their keep basically any way they can.
2: Right. Oh. I just remembered we had, um, because this question came up last time we were talking about this and I was a bit baffled, a bit flabbergasted about the uh, why are so many people out at like four in the morning, five mm. thirty in the morning. Um, but we actually had somebody write in.
0: Yeah, she had an answer for us about why that might be.
2: Yes. A listener named Erica wrote in and said, hello, this is my first time listening to your podcast and I'm really enjoying the Jack the Ripper episode. You all are talking about the hours everyone kept. I thought the Victorians did the whole first and second sleep thing, keeping a biphasic sleep schedule. If so, it may have been common practice for people to be awake and alert in the middle of the night. Well, everyone except Marianne Nichols. Mm. So thank you to Erica. Um, Victorians would sleep for around five hours, then wake up and use that time for cleaning, reading or relaxing. And then they would settle down for a second round of sleep, uh, which I'm trying to get like a little bit of a timeline here. You know, electricity wasn't as commonplace, so you kind of had to be adherent to the cycle of the sun and moon.
0: It's interesting. Even like uh, Charles Dickens wrote about well, he was writing a little bit before all this happened, but he mentions like first sleeps and right. uh, some of his works.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's
0: very interesting. That's something we had heard of or thought of.
2: No, it it makes me want to do another episode just on the history of sleep. Yeah. And like how sleep has changed and how we ended up with now where we are saying we should sleep eight hours a day. It's a very interesting point. So, yeah, thanks to Erica. I don't know your last name, but thanks for informing us on something we didn't know about. Yeah,
0: it's very interesting.
2: Nice little write in. And that little uh, side tangent will bring us up to the night of Elizabeth Stride's murder. Mm. So on September 26th, 1888, Stride and Kidney got into another argument and separated. She began living at 32 Flower and Dean Street thereafter. While she was there, she earned money by cleaning the lodging house and the homes of local residents, obviously while uh, continuing her sex work more discreetly. Mm. On the day of September 29th, Elizabeth Stride cleaned two rooms at the lodging house and received six pence for her work. That evening, she went out, put on some nicer clothing, a black jacket, a skirt. She was carrying a posy of red roses and donning a black crepe bonnet. She and another woman, Elizabeth Tanner, went to the Queen's Head pub on Commercial Street around 6.30 p.m. and then Stride returned to the lodging house alone. Later that night, she was seen by a man named Jay Best who said that he saw her with a short man with a dark mustache who was hugging and kissing her in public. Best then offered her a warning, but kind of in a joking way. And he said, watch out, that's Leather Apron getting round you.
0: Oh, that's one of the suspects from Annie Chapman's murder, Leather Apron.
2: Right. So I, I think at this point, maybe the news had, well, obviously the news had spread around about the other two murders. Um, I think Leather Apron's name had actually been brought up during that investigation. So a bit of a joke, but maybe not. In good taste.
0: Right. Because this was like a few weeks later.
2: Right. Right. But, I mean, recent enough.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Still in everybody's minds. Um, but a couple of weeks had passed since any Chapman had been killed.
2: Right. So, yeah, after that, uh, Stride and the man she was with, they took off down the street, presumably to find somewhere more private. After a little while, another man named William Marshall saw Stride kissing a man outside of Burner Street. It's unclear if it's the same man. But Marshall said he heard the man say, you would say anything but your prayers.
0: Ooh, that's a line. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's uh, that's a line to say to a prostitute, yeah.
0: It's interesting because in the past, Jack Ripper has not seemed very interested in the actual like sex part of these right. prostitutes. So to see men kissing her makes me feel like... It's not him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's my guess. And yeah, this feels like a very like a response you say to like someone flirting with you or complimenting you. And yeah. Yeah. And obviously if that person is if you know that person's a sex worker, you know, they're maybe not being genuine. Sure. <laughs> maybe they are. Maybe he was a handsome man. But, you know, maybe not.
0: Maybe not.
2: Uh, <laughs> During his nightly rounds that day, police constable William Smith saw Elizabeth Stride with a man as well, and he noticed that the man was carrying a newspaper wrapped parcel that was approximately six inches high and 18 inches long. Huh. Which so is an interesting big. detail. Yeah. yeah. Hm. Shortly after midnight, a man named Israel Schwartz saw Elizabeth Stride. A man had stopped to talk to her, though he couldn't be identified on Burner Street. And then the man pulled Stride into the street, turned her around, and threw her down onto the sidewalk. Schwartz said he heard Stride scream three times, but he got scared when he saw a second man standing nearby lighting a cigarette. So he did not intervene.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: Less than an hour later, Elizabeth Stride's body was found.
0: This sounds like it was so public. He's like, it's on the street. There's at least two other people standing around. huh? Very weird.
2: Yeah. Again, there's no way of knowing, really, if she was seen with the same man consistently throughout the night, Mm -hmm. and that turned violent, or if she was seen with different men throughout the night. The second man lighting a cigarette nearby could be something scary, or it could just be another person.
0: Right. I mean, it was apparently frightening enough for this witness to book it out of there.
2: Right. But- More than likely, Jack the Ripper operated alone. So uh, you kind of have to extrapolate a little bit of information here. Was the guy lighting the cigarette Jack the Ripper? Was the guy who threw her down violently Jack the Ripper? I Uh don't know. He usually tended to do his work in private. It's very likely that it was neither of these men, that the man threw her down, walked away, the guy with the cigarette walked away, and then someone else came by.
0: Right. Very possible. Yeah. And that was at midnight, you said, around? Yeah.
2: That was a little bit after midnight, yeah. So that's also earlier in the evening than the other murders, which were around like two, three in the morning.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm.
2: And that's, I mean, maybe that's an important point to note because this was the night that two of the victims were killed.
0: Yeah, very bloody night.
1: With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: So they find her body. It's roughly one in the morning now. Someone named uh, Louis Diemschutz was driving down Burner Street in a cart led by a pony. And then suddenly his horse stopped at the entrance of Dutfield's yard. And it was still dark, obviously. So Diemschutz had to light a match to see in the dark. And then he came across Elizabeth Stride's still and bloodied body. And then I don't. maybe this is just a bit of a narrative uh, <laughs> device that has been told, but it says the wind blew his flame out in that uh, moment.
0: Uh, spooky. It's
2: very dramatic.
0: Yeah, really dramatic.
2: I'm like, is that an embellishment that has just been, you know, be- become fact, or is that if that's true, that's terrifying.
0: Uh, yeah, I would be out of there.
2: Yeah, but that's very much like a horror movie scene. You come across something, you know, the lightning flashes, and you only see it for a second, or your, your torch goes out at that moment. It's like, ah! So, right, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a, yeah, kind of a, <laughs> I hate to say fun narrative beat, but, uh,
0: there's some of those in this story. I think newspapers had some fun with uh, writing about these grisly murders.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it almost reads like a crime novel. You have to stop and remember this is a real story. Mm-hmm. Obviously terrified by what he just saw. He ran to the nearby International Working Men's Educational Club and called out, there's a woman lying in the yard, but I cannot say whether she is drunk or dead. Then he and several men ran back outside to find her body. She was still warm to the touch when they found her. Blood was still flowing from her neck. Hmm. Uh, she had flowers pinned to her jacket, which had not been there when she first set out in the evening. And she also had a box of sweets and a handful of grapes. Weird. Yeah. So someone was buttering her up at some point.
0: Yeah. It's so it's so strange. It's like not the behavior of like a client towards a s- no. sex worker.
2: No, no. And it's also not a common jack the ripper thing so
0: yeah it's also kind of unclear like the the past two victims like they they said to someone in their lodging house like i gotta go out and like make money and it right. sounds like no one she she was not so explicit about like what her intentions were that night
2: right and she'd actually earned a wage earlier in the day so yeah. i think she was just out treating herself so yeah
0: just she was meeting men but it wasn't necessarily right. for
2: she might not have been doing sex work that evening yeah yeah hmm. so Her autopsy was performed by Dr. George Phillips, the same guy who did the autopsy on Annie Chapman's body. In his report, he wrote, Deceased had a silk handkerchief around her neck and it appeared to be slightly torn. I have since ascertained it was cut. This corresponded with the right angle of the jaw. The throat was deeply gashed and there was an abrasion of the skin about one and a half inches in diameter, apparently stained with blood under her right arm. Mm. This is very grisly. The incision on Elizabeth Stride's neck was so deep that her head was barely attached to her body at that point. So, yeah. Mm. And the manner of her death and, like, the condition of her body, police were hesitant at first to say whether or not she actually was another victim of Jack the Ripper, basically because her body wasn't as badly mutilated. Mm. And we'll obviously get into this more next time. But they then, later that night, realized she probably was and that he just didn't get to, as much time as he wanted to do what he wanted to do. Like yeah. Like, somebody was walking up on him. He was afraid of getting caught and left because 45 minutes after Elizabeth Stride's body was found, they found the body of Catherine Eddowes.
0: hmm And she was like, yeah, we'll get into this next time, but like... Yeah. Had, I mean, really... Hers was brutal. Mutilated. Yeah. Yeah, brutal at death.
2: But like we said, this is much earlier in the night than a lot of the other killings, so it makes sense that he would have possibly been rushed Mm -hmm. It's disturbing how much he was able to cut into her neck in such a short amount of time
0: yeah he worked really fast with uh, some other victims too like the the doctor who examined the bodies was like whoa this was quick work for what he did
2: right which is why people think he had some sort of medical anatomical Knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah, I forget if it was Annie Chapman or Marianne Nichols, cause it's been a while since we talked about those. But idea, yeah, I remember them being like, no, this would have taken hours, not yeah. the timeline you Nichols. guys have said. Yeah. Um, but
0: it might have been Chapman. you're right. Yeah. It's interesting how similar she is to the first two and also different. Like there is. Yeah. She doesn't quite fit.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's enough similarities there that you're like, yeah, I mean, she was in the same general position as them.
0: Yeah. But assuming the guy who Schwartz saw throwing her down was Jack the Ripper, right. that seems like a pretty aggressive move on his part, as before he kind of sort of made them comfortable in that he was like, yeah. all right, I'll pay you. Let's go into the secluded area. Yeah. And you didn't right. seem whoever that was, maybe it wasn't Jack the Ripper, but it's like a deviation in his MO there.
2: Yeah. The other interesting thing that I'm just now thinking about is like, did people just bring prostitutes back to their homes normally? Or were they just getting dirty on side streets?
0: It sounds like in the case of Annie Chapman, it's like these backyards were used for and these alleyways right. between houses were often
2: used. Right.
0: Yeah. I don't think they were going back to someone's house necessarily. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Gross. Yeah. Or yep. hot. I don't know. You know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. It is.
0: I mean, it's interesting. I think this case, and the next one are like tied together, make an interesting story because this seemed like he wasn't able to get what he wanted. And then the next right. one, he was like overkill.
2: Yeah overcompensated.
0: Mm -hmm. I I mean, I guess it's like you have two victims. That's one thing. You have three victims. That's something else. Then you have four victims like right after three victims. That's that's like panic time.
2: Yeah. Especially given the long gap between four and five. There's a month gap. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, the the first two are close together, but not that close. And then
2: like a week apart. Right. Something like uh that.
0: And then the third and fourth are right next to each other. Same
2: night. Yeah. And yeah, I'm finding the second body in such a Dire state after this first. I mean, yeah, it's it starts to paint a clearer picture of the kind of person you're dealing with.
0: Mm -hmm. And I know from watching crime fiction shows, there's escalation. That's a bad sign because you know killing faster and more efficiently, and that's that's you don't want that.
2: Yeah, like he's getting better at it.
0: He's getting better at it, and he's getting more desperate to like keep taking victims. So that's like not good. And
2: yeah, that's why the big gap between Catherine Eddowes and Mary Jane Kelly is so interesting because it's. Four killings very close together, two on the same night. I don't know if, it, like, if the heat, the like, you know, the heat from like, police, yeah. yeah, caused him to go into hiding for a bit, or if I don't know, the double murder was like enough to, and
0: then he disappeared.
2: Hold those urges back, yeah, completely gone. Why?
0: Yeah. So what happened there? That's gonna be interesting. A discussion point, I think. It's like, how could you kill with such like ferocity and speed, and then suddenly right. stop, unless. You died, right. or you moved to America, or something.
2: Right. I mean, yeah, typically serial killers tend to keep going until they're caught or something.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think of any examples of someone who like stopped killing. I guess there's like the Golden State killer. Yeah. That's like, what he I didn't was thinking. Stop in old age.
2: Yeah. But like Bundy, Dahmer, Dahmer
0: the Green River killer, oh, Gacy. Yeah. Don't
2: Wayne Gacy. I mean, they all just kept doing it. It was like spaced out, but it, most of those stories take place over the course of years. Yeah. Well, it's like an their, addiction. Yeah. So it's weird that someone would just do five brutal killings in the course of like, what, three months, two months, mm-hmm. and then just not anymore.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's very curious.
2: Yeah. Especially when we talk about Mary Jane Kelly. I mean, that body was like, he had hours to do mm. what he wanted to do, and it shows.
0: Well, even the next one, Catherine Eddowes, like, he didn't have hours, but he really, that's a horrible one, too. And, like, those, the last two are, like, very much like an escalation, I think, in violence. and Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, and even in the letters, which, again, might not be actually written by him, but they're attributed to him. Mm-hmm. In those letters, he talks about, like, oh, I just love doing this. And I'm not going to stop until they catch me. And
0: Right yeah i feel like he died and that's my theory but we can talk about that more <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> that's a, it. it's
2: a it's a fair theory yeah i mean
0: there's like tons of interesting theories about like why it stopped which we'll get into not the next episode nor the next but the one after that yeah.
2: the final episode Like Yeah, like I said, there's not too much else to say here. Your point about this being like an escalation is really interesting. Curious if it escalated because it was going to escalate no matter what, or Mm -hmm. if it had something to do with the first one being interrupted. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If that like enraged him so much that it brought him to another level
2: of like heightened.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think like criminal minds would tell us that people become more and more violent the more they kill, comfortable with killing and stuff.
2: Yeah. Well, you want to push your limits.
0: Yeah. But they uh, do eventually because,
2: well, like you said, it's like an addiction. I mean, you know, you, when you start drinking, you have one beer and you're pretty buzzed, mm-hmm. like a 4% beer, right? And then you, continue you start drinking more and more and more and now you're finishing a whole bottle of whiskey because your tolerance is so high
0: yeah you're chasing that initial high and that can be hard to reach until you like add more alcohol for your metaphor or like violence if you're a serial killer to
2: throw another one in like people who do a lot of drugs get clean for a time and then go back to their big dose that they were on before and it tends to kill them Mm -hmm. because, yeah, you need to keep upping it, and then your limit changes. So there's also a really nasty-looking photo of Elizabeth Stride, like, post-mortem.
0: God, there's so many photos of these victims. It's sort of incredible all the stuff is out there. There's this
2: weird, (laughs) when you just Google Elizabeth Stride and go to the images, like, the fourth or fifth image is, like, a YouTube still Mm -hmm. talking about Elizabeth Stride's life, and they've colorized the post-mortem photo and then oh. also used face app to like clean her up and make her smiling so you could kind of see what she might have looked like in life but it's like really
0: oh that's really I don't like uncanny that uncanny valley uh no um, no 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 I don't like yeah. that
2: yeah I'll send it to you <laughs> <laughs> I hate it here look at it
0: <laughs> let's see oh oh like, no do you yeah. not like that at all
2: yeah yeah
0: technology we've gone too far
2: i didn't get how old was elizabeth stride by the time i didn't really she was 44
0: so like the past two victims she was in her 40s yeah. hmm. interesting Neto's
2: 46 yeah they're all in their 40s I, I know we talked about this already
0: well i do think that's an interesting
2: except for mary point Jane we Kelly. found yeah yeah she's like 25 so the young significantly younger Yeah, I don't know if that's part of the criterion or if that's just a circumstantial thing because these women, you know, ended up where they were at their age.
0: Yeah, it's a good question because, yeah, they'd all had, like, in their 20s, they'd all, like, gotten married and some of them had children. And then by their 40s, their lives had sort of fallen apart. So they were the perfect victims for him.
2: Right. Yeah, there's no way of knowing if he intentionally went for women in their mid-40s or if that was just the way the dice fell.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question, though. We will never yeah. know the
2: answer. It's one of those. That's like mind hunter, right? Where you're trying to yeah. like, you get into their brains. Yeah,
0: right. Like uh, diagnose him, kind of. And
2: I'm not a killer. I'm not a serial killer. So I don't know how they work. <laughs> I don't know how they think.
0: <laughs> Although with your job, you'd probably be a pretty good serial killer because you know how to like, you know where others have it. messed up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah. Don't hide bodies like underneath <laughs> your house, for example, or in your apartment. Yeah. Step one. Right. Uh, and that didn't work out so well for people like Gacy, I think, was the one yeah. and well, Donner, Donner. Yeah. Yeah. Had
2: all those bodies in his apartment. Body parts. Yeah. Yeah. Because body parts smell.
0: But he like wanted to keep them. So that was, I guess, a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just like convenient. He like that was part of it for him.
2: That's that the, the, for this the, one. The, 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 the that's all, folks. <laughs> Is that copyrighted? Uh, I think we can do that.
0: Didn't we already have this conversation where we were like, can we say that? American history happy hour. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We cover all the victims on our site and more, which, of course, you can read about at allinteresting.com.
2: Yeah, post about all the victims, post about theories about Jack the Ripper, which we will obviously talk about again um, when we get to it.
0: A mm-hmm. couple of weeks.
2: At the end of all of this, have a little discussion. But next up, Catherine Eddowes, obviously the next natural point in the story here.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot to talk about with that one, too, because not only was she killed in like a really brutal way, but she like almost escaped him um, because she was in the drunk tank. And then she's like i'm fine and then she oh, left and then
2: i did not know that
0: yeah so we'll get into yeah. that and then yeah and then there were like some uh, clues left behind which are important because they'll come back in episode six about like if they could lead to the actual killer
2: yeah i'm excited to talk about all the theories and stuff
0: mm-hmm, me too that's gonna be interesting
2: yeah i never really looked into it much before doing all this mm-hmm. true crime is not my my hobby you know <laughs>
0: Yeah, same. Although I'm really into uh, mystery novels lately.
2: Mystery novels are fun.
0: Yeah, reading a lot of Agatha Christie at the moment. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was going to. I was about to ask if you're reading Agatha Christie. That seems very you.
0: <laughs> it's fun. I mean, it's fun and it's like not stressful to read.
2: Right. Right. So it's
0: been kind of nice. Been reading those. Yeah. yeah. Plus, huh. you can find them at used bookstores for usually not that much.
2: That's very true. Yeah.
0: Plus, she wrote like a hundred books.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She was prolific. She
0: was prolific.
2: And a pioneer of the genre.
0: You know, she wrote her first book. Her sister was like, "Uh, I don't think you can write a mystery. (laughs) I love
2: that. (laughs) I I feel like a lot of the the, It's like Mary Shelley, too. It was like a competition. Right. Oh, the right
0: Frankenstein.
2: Right. And then she ended up writing the quintessential science fiction story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes uh, inspiration comes from odd places.
2: Pride being hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. To prove a point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very funny. As we have said on every episode, but if you want to write in to the podcast, that's the email is podcast at all that's dot com. Clearly, as we showed today, we do read them. We <laughs> do.
0: And it's really exciting to get yeah. emails for starters, but also like to have emails with new information or stuff we'd never heard before. It's so yeah. very cool.
2: Yeah, it was very nice to see that because that answered a lot of questions that I had that I didn't bother looking up.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you wouldn't have even know. And it's like, that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, you can also give us a call at 929-526-3029, which someone else did recently. We talked about that on History Happy Hour. Yes. Yeah, we listen to those as well. Leave a voicemail about ideas you have or things you've noticed or, you know, pretty much anything.
2: Yeah, give us a rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this episode and you want us to keep doing stuff like this. It's, you know, not to sound like one of those YouTubers who's like, subscribe, smash that like (laughs) button, but it, it genuinely does help. With, like, rankings on iTunes.
0: And then, uh, if you want to stay up to date, you can also join our newsletter by going to allthatsinteresting.com slash sign up or becoming a member at allthatsinteresting.com slash membership.
2: And, yeah, stay tuned for more Jack the Ripper deep dives. Way more Jack the Ripper. And other stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll be doing Jack the Ripper, History Happy Hour, more Jack the Ripper, and then...
2: Other stuff coming the down, down the pipeline.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've written two outlines are not Jack the Ripper. So you
2: did Uh, the one on the Osage, Osage, murders, Osage, Osage murders
0: and then on Mary Magdalene as well.
2: The Osage murders being the inspiration for the new film Killers of the Flower Moon for those not aware.
0: And that'll be interesting to see how that does at the Oscars which I think are soon.
2: I think so. Um, All well, right.
0: Cool. Yeah. Till next
2: time then. Till next time.